We'll go ahead and get right to it. If you guys uh, have your Bibles with you, if you could turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 40. Going to be coming from the book of Isaiah chapter 40. We'll start our reading in verse 25 this morning. I want to, of course, give honor to God, um, thanking him uh, for choosing me. I'm not ever sure why. Um, you have no idea. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and thankful to my pastor um, for trusting me to stand in the pulpit. Um, always have to give honor to uh, Dr. Smith um, when he's in the house. Thank you so much. Um, let's just uh, see what the Lord has to say to all of us this morning. <laughs> Definitely myself included. Um, Isaiah chapter 40, um, beginning in verse 25. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Um, if you all have it, say amen. amen. Need me to wait? Say hold on. <laughs> all right. It says, to whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. Who brings out their host by number? He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. So why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and never faint. You may be seated. Um, before we even uh, go any further, even with the prayer or um, even with the topic, um, I just want to take a moment to talk with you all just really, really quick. Um, before, before I try to preach to you all, I really would just like your permission to, to conversate with you for just a second. Um, I can always tell when I'm about to preach um, the Lord starts to deal with me on a particular, you know, subject, you know, just really heavy on my heart. Or, you know, I might be driving and all of a sudden um, a scripture will just pop in and then I know I have to get my phone out and go to it and read it and, you know, just start dealing with it. And then before I know, you know, pastor will call or someone else will call and say, hey, and, you know, I need you to preach. And I'm like, well, Lord, thank you for allowing me to be ready. Um, this particular text God had actually um, given to me a couple of months ago, and I've actually preached since then, but I knew that it wasn't time for me to preach this particular text. Um, it was really interesting uh, to, to have a sermon in your heart, but know that it wasn't time to preach it. Um, I was very excited to preach this text a few months ago, but um, I had a lot of conversation with uh, uh, Pastor uh, Venice this week, and I was actually nervous to preach it this morning. 
Um, a few months ago when I read the text, I was excited to stand up here and, and the title of the sermon was going to be Mount Up. We were going to really look at verse 31 that those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall mount up on wings as eagles. You know, I was really excited to tell you that everything that you're going through, that everything that the enemy has thrown at you, that you have been given power to mount up and to soar above all of those things. So whatever situation it is that you're dealing with, whatever Whatever, you know, thing it is that keeps you up at night and whatever it is that you're wrestling with, you just need to go home and tell yourself to mount up and get over it. I mean, pretty much it was going to be this excellent call and response between me and you. And, you know, and we're talking about all of these different issues and all of these different problems. But at the end of it all, all we said to each other was mount up. Mount up, take your particular place. It's like, I, I'm so tired of, of Christians, so tired of the church that, that ought to be, you know, standing above, that ought to be rising above, that ought to be sitting on the top, but we're always, it looks like, on the bottom. It's about time that we mount up. But I saw myself preaching this text, and I saw myself, you know, telling you to just pretty much get over it. But then I also saw myself sitting in the congregation. And I saw myself listening to it and listening to it not with a receiving heart, but listening to it with a cynical heart. I saw myself not really receiving the thing that I was trying to say to myself. Because I am convinced that it wasn't just me that was sitting in the congregation, but somebody here is sitting here with a broken heart. I think that somebody is really sitting in this congregation who is wrestling with something that they've been wrestling with for a long time. And maybe it's not one particular stronghold. Maybe you're wrestling with the idea of God. I think that sometimes we live in a world that is fallen. We live in a world where some terrible things happen. And you have to sometimes wonder, where is God? And, and, and you look at a verse that says you shall run and not be weary, but I have to be honest, sometimes I get tired. And, and, and I wonder, how is it that you preach to that person that is broken? How is it that you preach to that person that doesn't understand and all you tell them to do is mount up? Because sometimes the anecdotes don't work. I think sometimes the anecdotes don't work. I can deal with you telling me that, that weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. But what happens when weeping may endure for one night turns into weeping has endured for two nights? What happens when it seems like the sun is on strike and the sun has not come and so I haven't received the joy because the morning never got here? What do you tell me when my weeping has endured for more than one night? I can, I can take to worship in the midnight hour. I, I can take Paul's experience, but what happens when it's not the midnight hour? What happens when my midnight seems to last for days? And days have turned into weeks. And for some of us, weeks have turned into months. And for some of us, months have turned into years. Don't tell me to worship in my midnight hour. When you haven't been sitting in my midnight hour for years. How are you going to tell me to just 
mount up. That I should just get over it. I want you to know I'm preaching from my heart this morning. And I'm asking that if you are asking any of these questions that you not give up, but just hold on for maybe just another even 20 minutes. And let's see what the Lord truly has to say. Is our God big enough? Is our God bigger than any situation that we can deal with? Is he still on the throne? So my topic this morning isn't just mount up. My, my topic for you this morning is suggestions for the storm. I have some suggestions for the storm. And if I could subtopic it, I would just say God is. God is. Heavenly Father, right now I come to you broken. But I realize that sometimes that it is in the broken moments that we are most beautiful. I realize that sometimes that you have to take us through some things just to remind us who you are. And so I submit under your holy unction, Lord God, and I say that I cannot preach this text. I'm still very nervous about it, Lord, but I I do believe that if you would remove me out of the way, that if you would just use me as a drink offering to be poured out upon your people, Lord, I want to be sitting in the congregation as well. At a time when it seems like I need to hear the word, allow me to speak it. And I know that there's somebody else in here that really needs to hear a word from you, that really needs to know that you are on their side and in their corner, Lord. And I pray that you would just reveal the thing unto us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I was told by my uncle a long time ago that everybody is either going through a storm, just coming out of a storm, or getting ready to go into a storm. So if you find yourself in either one of those places... Um, just go ahead and take your notes for suggestions for the storm. I think sometimes we need to be reminded of what it is that we need to get through. Um, I know sports teams, you know, they don't just go out and play. They don't just go out and, you know, wish for the best. I mean, we're talking about the season ends and you think you have a break, and before you know it, you're back in training camp. I mean, you're preparing for months on end just to get ready for a game. You know, you hear the word game and you think you should be having fun. I mean, these people are training 10, 12 hours a day to get ready for a game. And, And then one of the things that I like about them is they start watching the tapes. They, they watch the tapes and they see where they went wrong before and they see where they could improve. And I think that we as a church sometimes, we need to go back and watch the tapes. I think that there are some things that we do need to go ahead and mount up over and soar above because we keep tripping on the same thing over and over and over again. And at some point, if we would just go back and watch the tapes, we might be able to realize that we keep falling over the same mess getting tripped up over the same thing over and over again, and maybe we might be a little bit more victorious. Um, One of the things I wanted to talk about is the danger of isolating particular texts. Um, I had heard, you know, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And that is the, the, that's the particular text that dropped in my heart that stayed with me. And I had to look up where it was. You know, it was like, okay, you know, well, let me find it, and then I can, you know, actually read it, and then I can start to really deal with the text. It is dangerous to, to, to work off of 
a quotation. It's dangerous to work off of an isolated piece of text. Um, you look at a word that says, they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings of eagle. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and never faint. And you'll start to think that the scripture was about them. And then you look at it and you start to think that maybe it was about you, that this particular scripture was glorifying how strong you are, that this particular scripture was praising you for for things that you were able to do upon your own strength, that Satan was going to come up and he was going to try to attack you, but he wouldn't be able to get you because you were just that great. But really, what's dangerous about that is you realize that that particular scripture was verse 31, but there were 30 verses before it that talked about the exact opposite. It really wasn't talking about you. And it has nothing to do with you. Isaiah chapter 40 took a lot of time to really talk about the deity of God. And to really talk about how God stands alone and sovereign apart from you. And as a matter of fact, a lot of times he's kind of getting smart with you. Where were you when God formed the earth? Did did he consult you? I mean, did he say, David, where do you think I should put the sun? I think he did this thing on his own. Who did God seek counsel from? I, I don't, you know, Pastor Smith, yeah, writing books and a dignitary of his sort, but I don't think he called you when he set the earth into motion. I don't think he called you, Pastor Venice, and said, what is it that I should do? And, and I'm scratching my head on this one. Isaiah chapter 40 is really not talking about how great you are in the deity of you. It's talking about the deity of God. And as a matter of fact, that's where we'll start. That's my first suggestion for you is to realize this thing is not about you. And some of us don't like that already. I've been tuned out already. That, shouldn't have, that should not have been the first point. That should not have been the first point. I mean, really, when you start to think that this thing is about you, you start taking attitude with God. Why me? Why'd you take my person away? Why am I laid up in the hospital bed? Why am I going through the storm? Haven't I been through enough? What about me? And and, and then you look at the text that talks about all the great and wonderful things that you will be able to do, but then when your feelings don't line up with what the text is preaching, you start to call God a liar. This thing is not about your feelings. You thought that today was going to be one of those texts that you go home and you say, oh, okay, great. He sure did preach. And I'm telling you that if you would receive it, that it will still do something great for you. But you have to realize that this thing is not built upon your feelings. When he set the earth in motion, it was not just to not step on your toes. It was not that you would never cry. It was not that you would never understand. It is realizing that even when I don't understand, he is God. Even when I don't understand what is going on, I have to believe that he is on the throne. If he is the king, then I must submit under him. And if I say, use me, I have no dictation as to how how and when he's going to do it. If he wants to take me through the storm so that somebody can look at David and see that everything that God has done, then I have to say, okay. 
You can't say, use me just when you know he's going to put you on the mountaintop. You can't say, use me just when you know that he's going to give you the anointing. Because guess what? The anointing will cost you some things. The anointing will make sure that you are different than everybody else. Everybody else will be able to go through untouched, but you can't go through the spaces that they can go. You can't talk to some of the same people that they talk to. Sometimes I get mad at the anointing. It wasn't easy preaching at 14 years old. It got even rougher when I was 16. Difficult when you're 18 and you want to do what everybody else is doing and you try your hardest, but the anointing won't let you. It's not easy preaching at 24 years old. Talking about you are in your prime. You should be able to do this. You should be able to do that. You don't need to... The anointing will cost you something. The anointing will always bear down on you because at that point, it's not about you. We don't want to look and see you. We need to look at you and see. Pastor said in the office this morning, we're just road signs. We're just pointing. You ought to be able to look, and you shouldn't see Pastor Venice every Sunday. You shouldn't see me this morning. You shouldn't see Minister Lee later on. You should see road signs pointing up to God. This thing really is not about you. And then that's where some of us stop because we wrestle with the fact, well, who's it about? It's about God. Well, who is God? What is God? It is easy to look at, you know, the God that we serve here in America, but you go over to a third world country and you walk in there with your shiny shoes and your nice watch and you look that child who hasn't eaten in five days and you tell him that God is a provider. You, I mean, you tell that family that, that has not figured out how it is they are going to eat, and when it rains, it just comes right through because they don't really have a roof and, and they don't have indoor plumbing. But you tell them that if they give their tithes, that God will give them riches. I wrestled with the idea of who God is. And I'm convinced that if you are honest with yourself, you may wrestle with the same thing. I don't want to watch on TV about your God that your biggest burden was he blessed you with a new car. I don't want a new car, but sometimes I just want to be able to make it from A to B. So who or do we serve the same God? I mean, sometimes it's not about blessing my hoopty to make it from A to B. It's about, Lord, will you at least bless me to be able to scrounge up some bus fare just to get to work? I mean, how is it that I serve the same God as, you know, the rich folk with the watch? And I'm in here praying tonight just for $1.65 to get to work, and then I forgot I had to pray for $1.65 to get home. Let's make it more clear. Some of us get upset at other people's testimony. People come up here and they talk about, you know what, the, I, I, I was going through and I was diagnosed with cancer and I was diagnosed with diabetes and then I went back and then they couldn't find anything. Glory to God. And then we all shout. But what about the people that are sitting out here that that's not their story? 
What about the people that went and they thought, well, it happened for once, so I'm going to go and I'm going to trust and I'm going to believe, but no, it's still there. Uh, you see other people and they talk about my husband was sick and he was going through and it looked like like he was going to die. You know, I went up to a, to a, a convocation last uh, summer in Detroit and it was they showed this awesome clip. Um, Bishop Jabert, he was sick from Detroit World Outreach and, and, and Bishop Hillier was preaching at his church and he looked right in the camera and he said, Bishop, if you're watching, I command your body to line up with the word of God. Every cell, everything must line up with the word of God. And he was here. He was healed. But what happens when that's not your story? So you have one woman up here, and we're all worshiping with her that the Lord healed her husband, and then you have another one here who's crying because the Lord took hers away. Who is God? Some of us aren't wrestling because we thought this thing was about us. Because guess what? I, I'm cool with the fact that I can't do everything. I'm cool with the fact that I understand that I didn't set the world in motion. I understand that of myself, I cannot control this thing. But what happens when I put my faith in your God and your God seemingly didn't show up for me? I'm glad he showed up for you, but what has he done for me? And by the way, what have you done for me lately? I mean, if you're honest with yourself, these are some of the questions that you are asking God. And, and I would implore you to go ahead and be honest because 2 Timothy chapter 2 declares that that is the very foundation of our faith, that God knows your name. God knows your name, not just that my name is David, but he knows what makes me tick. He knows what keeps me up at night. He knows when I wrestle. I think I'm keeping something from him. I think that I don't want him to know. I think I'm in a closet about some situations. Oh, he knew well before I was even born that I was going to wrestle with this subject matter. He knew that I was really not going to like that he allowed this to happen. So you might as well go ahead and be honest in your storm. That's my second suggestion for you. Go ahead and be real in your storm. Realize that this thing ain't about you and be mad about it. Realize that this thing is not about you and go ahead and be mad about it. Go ahead and talk to God and ask him why. You, you guys think that we serve a weak God. You think that we serve a God with a weak stomach. We, we talk about, oh, I can't say that. I can't pray about that. Oh, I could never tell God that. Oh, we serve a strong and mighty God. And you're sitting down there wrestling and you're calling every friend and you're calling every pastor and you're not getting the answer that you want. And God is sitting right there waiting for the day that you will come to him. He said, did you not know that I knew you before you knew yourself? I knew everything that you were going to go through. I knew every tear that you were going to cry before I formed you in your mother's womb. So about time that you come to me and let me know what's going on. And really, it's not about to inform him. It's about for yourself. It's about when I can be naked and not ashamed between some me and him and everything is out in the open. When I can stand there and I can say, God, why? God, why me? God, why am I going through this? You want me to put my faith in you. I need something. I need something that I can hold on through. 
So let's talk about that. God is, can you call out, what are some of the things that God is? What are some of the names of God? What is God? Jehovah Jireh. I mean, are we, are we in a church full of people that know him? Well, what do you know God to be? A keeper, a provider, a healer, a deliverer. Is he always all those things? Is he incomparable? Is he unchangeable? Is he all things to all people? Is the God of America the God of a third world country? We don't even have to go that big. Is the God of this side of the sanctuary the God of that side of the sanctuary? Is the God of Bird, the God of Reverend Venice, the God of Willis? Is God God or is he something that we've made up in our head just to get through life? Third thing I want to tell you is don't get lost in the process because it's only through the process that we really realize who God is. God may have chosen Bird to be the one that lets you know that he's a provider, which means that Bird's story is going to be different than yours. Means that Bird is not going to have everything right off the bat. Means that, unfortunately, Pastor Venice doesn't wrestle with, with financial stronghold and financial things, but Bird has to go through some financial situations. Means that Bird and Reverend Venice will go up for the same job and they will pray to the same God. Venice will get it, but Bird will not. I mean, Venice's family will ride around in a new car and, and they will be well taken care of. Bird and his family will walk to wherever they need to be. Venice will never worry about, you know, how his children will eat. But Bird will come and he will lay at this altar and he will wonder where the next meal is coming from, not just for the week, but he just wants to get through the night. But after, but I tell you when Bird gets where he needs to be, when God finally decides to release something on Bird, Bird will be able to talk about the providing God far more than Venice ever will. Bird will be able to preach something that you will never be able to understand because he's not talking about what he heard, but he's talking about what he experienced. Who is God to you and who did he decide to use you and how did he decide to use your situation? Some of y'all are like, well, I ought to be preaching every sermon. <laughs> Because I've been put in a situation to know God to be a provider. And then one situation on top of a situation, I've been put to know that he is a healer. And then I was put to know that he is a keeper. Sometimes God will put you in a place to where you can't do nothing but. You thought you were in a place of total abasement. You thought that you were at the bottom of the barrel. And then here comes something else knocking on your door to say every round just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. You thought you hit rock bottom and they said you're only halfway there. You opened up that one last piece of mail and found out that they foreclosed it on the house. You, and then after that, you found out that mama was sick and you got to deal with that. And then your job told you that they weren't happy with your performance. And then you thought somebody stole your car, but it's really just sitting in repo. And then you wondered, what's going on? And one thing happened after another, and you're like, Lord, what is going on? Well, consider Jesus. 
They looked at him hanging on this old rugged cross. They looked at pieces of flesh falling off his body. They mocked him with a crown of thorns sitting on his head. And they said, it looks like you are losing. I, I believe that Satan and all of his people, they were like ready to celebrate. I mean, I think they were Mitt Romney in his campaign. They just knew that they were going to win. They didn't even prepare a concession speech because they just knew they had this thing in the bag. And they looked at Jesus at the roughest point, and it looked as if he was going through, but Jesus was content. Jesus was Barack Obama. You didn't see him sweat. It looked like he lost the first debate, but guess because he was never really worried. He was never really where he didn't scratch his head. He, he didn't think of how this thing should come through. You know, when you know how the story ends, you don't sweat the process. You realize when you know the destination, you don't really sweat the process. When, when you know where you're going, it doesn't matter if it takes one hour to get there or nine hours to get there. You just know that eventually you will get there. And so as people looked at Jesus up on the cross and as they even saw him breathing his last breath, he didn't worry because he knew I was just getting moved along the way. He just knew that I'm strictly going through the process. But he also knew that today I will die. Tomorrow, I will be dead. The next day, I will be dead. But, <laughs> but, I mean, did you see Satan walking around that Saturday afternoon like he ran something? Darkness over the face of the earth. And he, I mean, he getting ready to stroll his way back up into heaven just to say, look what I did. But early Sunday morning, what's that wrestling? What's that rocking? What's that rolling? Why is the tomb, why is the stone not in front of the tomb door? He had the nerve to fold up his sheets. <laughs> had the nerve to make his bed. It was supposed to be a dead place. It was supposed to be a place of sadness, and you walked in into a made bed. He may have even had a sense of humor and put a little rose petals on the bed and say, I'm not here. Who's that man walking around showing himself to the multitudes? Who is this man walking around with bruises on his hand and bruises through both of his feet? Who is the man walking around with an imprint of thorns on his head? I couldn't be wrong, but it looks like the same Jesus that they thought lost the battle on Friday. I, I could be wrong, but it looks like the same Jesus that I could have swore I saw him die on the cross. I saw his dead body go into the tomb. People have got to see you break. People have got to see you broken to realize that God can. We would never know that he could have raised himself from the dead if he did not die. 
We would have never known him to be a healer if we never got sick. We would have never known that there is hope on the other side if we never died on this side. Guess what? Death is a part of life. Sickness is a part of life. There are just some things that you are going to have to go through, but you ought not give up because you're just going through the process. I don't know why. I don't know why he chose Everett's family. But guess what? A group of people that you can look at and you still go to church? Your God took your brother away. Your God took your son away. And you are praising him every Sunday morning. Your story will change somebody's life because they will never understand why you are here today. But because of your faithfulness, your story will change somebody's life and bring them to Christ. And that is your crosswalk. That is what he chose to do through you. I will never understand why my cousin, why, why his three-year-old son was killed. You will never understand why I have a friend right now, their three-year-old daughter has been moved into hospice. And they look and they say, do I, am I supposed to pray to your God? I don't know what your story is, but he's moving you through the process. We call him the king, but he's not just the king of the world. He's the king of glory. And he will do things to move himself from one level of glory to another level of glory. I mean, we preach these things, but we'll, do we really understand it? When this thing is set up to go from glory to glory to glory, which means that he's going to set up a situation that will bring him glory. What does that mean, preacher? That means that we should all be walking around and driving BMWs and we should all be walking around with fancy suits and ties and that we should all be, you know, just making it rain here and making it, I mean, I forget the club. Let's go to the church and make it rain. I mean, because that's, that's glory, right? I should be able to look and see that the church is sitting on top of the world. No, he'll take the church. He'll actually, he'll take the man that, that's doing his best. He'll take Job. He'll, he'll, he'll take somebody that loves him and he'll say, take everything away. He'll say, kill the family. I mean, people are looking at Job and saying, oh, you must be doing something wrong. He, Job didn't go through because he was wrong. Job went through because he was right. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, Job didn't go through because he was wrong. Job went through because he was right. He said, oh, you want to mess with somebody? Pick Venice. Take the car away from Venice. His mom's sick. Make him go through. How you going to come pray for me and my family when your family Do you know that this thing is about faith? When what they're talking about in Isaiah 31 is not just about who you are. It's about who you have to believe yourself to be. You have to be able to look in the deepest, darkest hour, and you have to say it and believe it. They that wait upon the Lord. I will renew my strength. I will mount up on wings of eagles. And when I get there, I will soar. I will run 
And guess what? I won't get tired. <laughs> I will walk and I will continue to walk and I will not faint. I got a suggestion for you. One more. Talk to your storm. Talk to your storm. Talk to your storm. I mean, if you hung around me in the last week, you will think I'm crazy. I mean, there are people that tell you, I will drive in my car, and who did I, are you talking to me? No. And sometimes I don't even realize just talking out loud, talking to myself, talking to myself. I told one of my friends, I I don't know, I felt like I was on the merge of a mental breakdown. (laughs) But guess what, this ain't about me. Somebody else this week thought they were on the uh, the verge of a mental breakdown. It may not have been this week, but you remember the time that you didn't know what could be next. You remember the time that you thought big old God was picking on little old Jew. You remember the time that you were wrestling with something and you really had to keep talking to yourself. You had to keep speaking those things that weren't and you had to speak them as if they were. You didn't have a dime in your pocket talking about I'm the lender and not the borrower. And you were talking about I'm the head and I'm not the tail. I mean, you were in the hospital room talking about God is a healer and they came back and said, you got 30 days and you said God is a keeper. And they came back and said, actually, you got 30 minutes and you say God is able but guess what you still here today I mean it is amazing what will happen when you talk to your storm it's amazing when you talk to Satan and you say when he says you are weak it's amazing when you talk to Satan and Satan says you can't do anything and you will not make it on your own and he says that you you're just another weak person it's amazing when you talk to Satan and you look him in the eye and you say you know what For the first time in your life, you're on told the truth. I'm weak. Of myself, I am weak. But Satan, you know something? I found joy and solace in the fact that it's in my weakest moment that he is strong. It is in my weakest moment that he decides to do something. It's when I'm crying that he decides to wipe my tears. It's when I'm going through that he decides, now I got you in a place that I can use you. When the Bible said they that wait upon the Lord, you have to get into a place where you can't go left, you can't go right, you can't go forward, you can't go back, because you don't know if your next set will be your last, and you have no choice but to stand there and wait. What does waiting on the Lord looks like? It looks like you don't know what else to do. It looks like you're the woman who has wrestled with something for 20 years, 40 years. You you have exhausted your last dime on every doctor. You've seen every specialist, and they said that you cannot be healed, and there's nothing we can do for you, and you have no choice but to wait. But one day... (laughs) One day, when you just hear Jesus is in the room, I mean one day when you just thought you saw his shoulder, one day when you think that that coattail might be Jesus, after you have waited so many years, it doesn't matter the multitude of people you have to walk through to get it. 
It doesn't matter what mountain you have to climb through to touch them. It doesn't matter what valley you have to go through to see them. You will press your way through the people and you will fall on your knees and you will crawl, but you will reach your hand out. And if I can't touch his foot, if I can't touch him, I will touch the hem of his garment. But guess what, baby? Your faith has still made you healed and you got just close enough to be delivered. When it says they shall renew their strength, it's not talking about the fact that you were always strong. It's talking about the fact that you will be transformed. The Amplified Version actually puts changed in parentheses right there. That means that I have to go through A in order to get to B. I have to go through black in order to get to white. That means I'm going to have to come to him in a weak moment to have some strength to renew. If I never lost the strength, it would never need to be renewed. If I was already on top, I wouldn't have to mount up. If I was already running, then I would never have to gear up. If I was already at the destination, then I wouldn't have to walk. God is taking you through the process. All you have is the word of God. All you have is the word of God. All you have is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It wasn't easy for him. It was not easy for him. Guess what? He died. You're still here. I mean, his cross took him to death. But the significance of the story isn't that he died. The significance of the story is that even in his own death, he had enough power to raise himself up. And then Jesus said that with the same power that I have risen myself, even your mortal bodies will be quickened means that the same power, the same blood that was shed 2,013 years ago is the same blood that even in my foolishness I can hide under. That even with all my questions I can hide under. That even in the situation I can hide under. That even in the storm I can hide under. I think that, yes, you can speak to the storm. And and I think that, yes, you will say, peace be still. But you need to understand that sometimes there are those things that you just have to go through. I think that, yes, you will, the faith the size of a mustard seed is strong enough to move a mountain. But you will speak to some mountains, and I am telling you, you are hearing it from the pulpit, that mountain will not move. Because there are some mountains that you were meant to climb. There are just some mountains that you were meant to climb. There are some valleys you were meant to go through. And by go through, I mean there are some valleys that you were meant to sit there for a few years. Because the children of Israel wouldn't have known the things about God lest it took them 40 years to complete a a journey that only should have taken perhaps a week. There are just some things that God will allow you to go through. God, he's not picking on you. 
God does not tempt us with sin, neither can he be tempted by sin. But he will allow you to go through just to know who he is. When he went to God and he said, who shall I say sent me? God said, tell him that I am. I love that. I thought God was like, yeah, just, I mean, I don't even need a name. Just tell him I am. You know, I thought it was just cocky. I think now that perhaps what he was saying was, you're going to rescue a multitude of broken people. Some people need a healer. Some of them need a provider. Some of them have broken hearts. Some of them need to be loved. Some of them felt abandoned. Some of them need to be set free. Some of them just need to know that there's a reason to get out of bed in the morning. You don't necessarily need to run down the list (laughs) when they ask who sent you. But I want you to look in the faces of all those people and tell them that I am. I just wanted to tell you this morning, I don't know what you're going through, but God is. I don't know what you need him to be, but he is. I don't know what you're wrestling with, but he is. He'll be your husband in the midnight hour. He'll be your father when you're fatherless. He'll be your provider even when you don't have a dime. He'll be your healer in the sick room. And then he'll go and be your lawyer in the courtroom. What God did he preach about today? He told me to tell you that he is. And he is what he is. He's the beginning and he is the end. He is the alpha and he is the omega. He is the bright and the morning star. He's the lily and the valley. He's my comforter. He's my go-to. He's my sword, and he is my shield. He is my rock in a weary place. He just is. He just is. Does anybody else receive that he is? Does anybody else know that he is. Does anybody feel like maybe I can make it through another week? Maybe I can put at least one foot in front of the other and I can press on to see what the end is going to be because this thing isn't about me and he's moving me through the process and he already knows the tears that I was going to cry but at the end of the day he still is. The glory in serving an eternal God is that the grass fades and things will wither away. But the word of our God is eternal. And so even though we have endured some hardships on this time, we have seen slavery on this side, we have seen the Holocaust on this side, we have seen Sandy Hook on this side, we've seen your own situation on this side. One day, We're going to sit at a table on the other side. 
and quite similar to how we talk about things that happened at Sunday dinner and we talk about the things that we made it through throughout the week. I believe one day, Dr. Smith, we're going to sit together at that table and we're going to talk about all the foolishness we went through on this side. We're going to talk about when we thought we weren't going to be able to make it. We're going to talk about when it seemed like the sun refused to shine. We're going to talk about when Satan looked like he was running rapping and it looked for a moment that he was stronger than God. But you know where we're going to be talking about it at? We're going to be talking about it in a place where Satan has no authority. We're going to be talking about it in a place where there will be no crying. We're going to be talking about the time that we had no dime, but we're going to be walking down hallways paved with gold and walking towards our mansions when we're talking about it. One day, when you know the end of the story, you'll glory in everything that he took you through, and you'll glory through the process that he allowed you to go through. So when you get there, when you get there, you won't let it go for nothing. So Satan's going to take you through a few things this week. I'm sure he's going to get on my tail for preaching this message. But that's okay, because we have a few suggestions for the storm. Amen. God, you Excellent, my brother. I don't think we need much commentary. <laughs> Jesus is. Do you know that he is? And he will be all that in your situation. That you can rise up through the storm, through the darkness, and still say, Jesus is. No matter how dark it gets, no matter what life throws at you, no matter what happens and, and, and going to happen is happening, we got to be able to stand flat-footed and our faith rises up and say, Satan, Jesus still is. That's the one thing he's trying to take out of your vocabulary, out of your faith, is that Jesus is. When you know that, when you got that, you can go through whatever life throws at you. That you can say, yeah, all that may be true. Yeah, all that happened. But Jesus, my Jesus, my Jesus still is. Today, we offer you the opportunity to talk to some ministers that were allowed to introduce you to this Jesus that will be your all in all, that will be just what you need him to be when he knows you need it, that he would be that Jesus is in your life. If you're here today, come on. 